0: Hey there, I'm Charlie Dice, and you're listening to the Life Beyond Infertility podcast, a podcast devoted to providing information and sharing stories surrounding how to accept your infertility and learning to live a happy, fulfilled life beyond it. As a life after infertility coach and someone who's personally been through the ups and downs of trying to conceive and passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered to take their lives back and find the joy in them again. I believe this area is a crucial missing link in the infertility space. And by talking about it and sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. I don't think anyone really wakes up in the morning and goes, gee, I'd love to discuss my mental health with the world today. But I'm gonna discuss mine with you today because mental health plays a huge role in someone's infertility journey, as well as improving their mindset on life after infertility. So in this episode, I'm going to go over my background with mental health. I'm going to tell you how it impacted my infertility journey, but we're going to really focus on the after, and I'm going to give you some questions to think about to hopefully help you make the decision uh, on whether or not you are ready to accept a child-free life while also protecting your mental health. So I didn't get dealt the best hand in this life when it comes to genetics and mental health. There's a long history of depression and anxiety on my mom's side, particularly with my grandfather and my mom. And they were both on medication for as long as I've known either one of them. I didn't really have a super traumatic childhood when compared to a lot of other people. Uh, My parents did go through a pretty nasty divorce, but I never felt depressed as a child. Um, I did feel anxious. I've always had kind of a type A personality. So I think that kind of just goes with the territory. But in terms of depression, it really didn't start for me until I was graduating college. I graduated college in the spring of 2009, which was during the period of the Great Recession. So when I was done with school, I didn't have a career lined up at all. And that was pretty shocking for me. I had always been a good student. I got good grades. I was always given opportunities to, you know, continue my education and coming out of school with literally no prospect and no um, career path. That was really terrifying for me. In addition, I also was moving in with my then boyfriend, who's now my husband, um, which his family lives on a farm two hours from where I grew up. So I went right from my apartment at college to my husband's farm, uh, moved into a tiny little farmhouse, actually the bottom of a house. It was a total of around 900 square feet, and it was just very different from anything that I had grown up living in or around Um, so between graduating with no career moving to a different location not having any friends in the area not even knowing anybody in the area other than my husband's family it was very difficult for me to make that transition i also had no hobbies there so i'm an avid horse rider and i have been since a very little girl And I had no notion of where the barns were, nobody to ride with, no horse of my own. It was just a perfect storm of life events that all culminated at the same time. So I fell into a deep depression. I didn't know it was depression at the time, but I had classic symptoms. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to see anyone. Um, You know, I, I had a Temporary or part time job at a grocery store that, you know, I really didn't like. But that was about the extent of my social life going to work, coming home, staying in bed, staying on the couch. My husband um, was very. Supportive in the ways that he knew how. So he had never um, been around someone that suffered from depression. He had never experienced that. So he would try to get me things. You know, he we we got two cats so that I wouldn't be as lonely during the day when he was at work. Um, he built me a horse pasture. You know, I was lucky enough to be able to buy a horse and have it out there. And you know, he 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 really tried, but. When you are suffering from depression, it is a hormonal imbalance and it's, there's nothing that anybody is going to do or provide for you that is going to make you care. You just don't care about anything. Um, Logically, you know, you should. Logically, I knew that I still had a good life and I had a lot going for me, Um, but mentally I just could not see it. So it kind of all came to a head one evening when I was alone in the house by myself. I don't even to this day remember where my husband was and neither does he, but I vividly remember thinking, if this is all that my life is going to be, I don't want it. I just wanna be done with it. So I walked into our tiny little bathroom, which was no bigger than a closet and I remember grabbing my shaving razor, and I walked out into the kitchen, and I sat down on the linoleum floor with my back up against our washer and dryer, which was also in the kitchen, and I just sat there for a while, and I stared at my razor, and I thought, you know, it would be really easy to do this and I sat there for a while I ended up putting the razor against my skin on my wrist and I remember thinking how cold the razor was how chilly the blades felt against my heated skin you know I had been crying I my my eyes were all puffy and I just thought this this will be really quick and simple So at that point, my cell phone rang and I remember being really frustrated because I thought, gosh, now I'm going to have to actually like talk to someone, you know, right before I do this. I just wanted to be alone and, you know, not have to communicate with anybody. So I just let it ring the first time and then it rang again and I thought, fine, I'll just answer it. Um, And it ended up being my aunt, my mom's sister. And I was really worried because we don't talk a whole lot, and not because we don't have a good relationship, we actually have a great one, but because of the distance and she's really busy at work, she usually wouldn't call me. So my first thought was, you know, something's gotta be wrong with my mom or somebody in my family. So I, you know, wiped the snot off my nose, tried to dry my eyes a little bit so it wouldn't seem like I had just been about to do what I was gonna do. And that you know everything was fine so I answered the phone and you know she said hey I just you know heard from your mom and and Andrew that you know you've been struggling a little bit they've kind of noticed you're down and your uncle's on the phone too and we just wanted to call you and make sure that you were doing okay and see if you needed anything and I'm not really sure why that conversation kind of was the breaking point for me. I guess I felt like everybody else that had asked me, you know, what was wrong was coming at it from a place of, I don't want to say judgment, but I know that they were getting really frustrated with me because I didn't have an answer and I couldn't ever tell them the truth because it it made me feel guilty and it made me feel like it was going to hurt them. And for some reason, maybe because I don't talk to them that often, I just felt like I could say the truth to my aunt and my uncle. So I completely broke down. I, you know, just spilled everything, told them how miserable I was. I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, they said, don't, you know, don't do it. Um, we love you, we're gonna get you some help. I ended up putting the razor away that night and I've never picked it up again and I've never had that kind of thought process again. Um, I got into treatment with a therapist and I also started seeing a psychiatrist and I got on um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication. And you know, I've over the last 15 years that was, know I, mean, I was 20 years old when that happened. Uh, You know, I've been through ups and downs with medication and therapists and, you know, the whole nine yards. So it's a daily struggle. Uh, Anyone that has suffered from it will let you know that it's not as easy as just popping a pill every morning and forgetting about it. There are good days and there are bad days. And it's just something that, you know, you're always going to to live with and struggle with, unfortunately. But it's not a death sentence. And it's something that i am very grateful that my family recognized and was able to help me um, because i know that that doesn't always happen for everyone but in terms of my mental health with my infertility journey it was something that really really terrified me because i for one didn't want to pass this on to my children. That was probably my number one fear with having kids, is that I didn't want anyone else to suffer the way that I suffered. And knowing the genetic component in my family with this, it was something that was very probable and very real. Once we made the decision that, you know, we would try and I would be kind of the guide for my future child to navigate the disease, if it ended up that they had it, it was then very difficult to come to terms with the fact that we weren't successful um, with our conception journey. All of our siblings, um, you know, had had children very easily. We didn't know of any conception issues with our parents and their generation. So it was from a mental health standpoint it was very difficult to once again be in that place of feeling like a failure um feeling like my life was not turning out the way that I thought it would in my head um and that I should be doing something different or I was doing something wrong or my body was you know failing me as a woman so dealing with all of that from a mental health perspective it just kind of 10X'd everything that somebody without depression and anxiety goes through when they're suffering from infertility. When we made the decision to stop trying to have children, it's it's very traumatic. And any sort of trauma will trigger depression, um, you know, even if you don't have a clinical diagnosis. It was Very difficult for me to come to terms with the fact that, you know, this was now going to be my life. This is what my life looked like from a family standpoint. And I remember talking to my husband about it. It got to the point where I was so burnt out from the infertility cycle, you know, the monthly waiting and hoping and praying and then crying and having to pick myself back up again or having to have my husband pick me back up again. It was exhausting in every way that it can be. And I decided to, you know, I said to my husband one day, I just said, I just can't do this anymore. You know, for my mental sanity, I can't continue to go through these monthly cycles, um, you know, for the rest of my 30s or however long we were going to try. I was getting back to that place again that I swore I never would. And I, I felt that I felt myself slipping and I, I just didn't want to go there. And I think the biggest thing that a lot of people either don't want to think about or don't even realize is that the decision to not have children or to stop trying to have children from a mental health standpoint really needs to come down to how much do you want to suffer and how bad do you want your mental health to get? Before you say enough is enough, you know, what toll is the infertility cycle and the journey taking on your mental health? I want you to write down all of the emotions that you go through on a monthly basis when you have failed cycles. So whether that's frustration, anger, you know, hurt, isolation, uh, you know, whatever that is, I want you to make a list of all of them. And once you have that list, I want you to look at it and I want you to read through it a few times and really concentrate on those emotions and how they make you feel from month to month. Once you have that and once you've read through them a few times and you know in your bones how those emotions feel for you, I want you to then think about what is it going to feel like? What is your life going to look like? If you feel those emotions every day for the next year, every day for the next five years, every day for the next 10 years, what kind of physical and mental state are you going to be in at the end of that time period? Just think about it. What are you going to, you know, what are you going to look like? What are the thoughts that are going to be going through your head? How stressed out are you going to be? How anxious are you going to be? And what are your relationships with both yourself and others going to look like when you're in that state? So for me, this was really the big aha moment where I was like, I don't want to be that future person. I had been there in the past. I knew what it felt like. I had vowed never to feel that way again. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that if I continued this roller coaster of emotions every month with my history of mental health issues, I was soon going to be in that place again. I was going to be feeling all those emotions and I knew exactly what I would look like if I let this continue. A lot of people ask me, you know, well, how do you just make that decision? How do you how do you know, or how can you do that even? Like, we're just gonna keep trying forever. And that's fine, I'm never gonna tell anybody what choice they have to make, you know, in their life. The, everybody's situation is different. But what I want you to really focus on today and think about is that exercise, looking at all those emotions, picturing yourself, feeling all of those for the next 365 days or five or 10 years and how you're going to feel mentally at the end of that. Because the reality of it is a lot of us, about one in eight, never actually get a rainbow baby out of the infertility journey. And that might be harsh to say, but it's honestly the truth. And it could be you, you know, I'm one of those eight. You could be one of those eight and I wasn't willing to give up what work I had done over the last 15 years on my mental health for something that may never happen. I had too much other good things going in my life to sacrifice it all for something that may never happen. So I'm going to end today's episode there. Um, Like I said, we're going to pick back up with this mental health topic in future episodes, but I hope that activity was helpful for you and gave you an idea of what is going to be the result of my actions if I continue down the path that I am in terms of my mental health. I have lots of other, you know, strategies that I'm going to share with you in future episodes that can help. I just really want you to... Do whatever's best for you and your family and your situation, but also to make sure that you're protecting yourself and protecting your mental health. Because, again, even if you are successful with your fertility journey, you know, you become a mama, your mental health is so vitally important to the happiness of your future child, your marriage you know, all your relationships. So don't let it get to the point that it's not salvageable without damaging those other relationships. So thank you so much for listening to my story today. Um, It's something that I've never shared before with um, anyone but my husband. And I really appreciate all the support. And if I can help you in any way please reach out to me. Um, My email is charlie at charliedice, D-I-C-E dot com. I'd love to hear from you and just remember that you're worth it. You're amazing. And no matter what happens, your life is worth living. If you liked this episode, be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. It really helps the show and helps me know the exact information that you, my listeners, want to talk about. Stay tuned for next week's episode.